0: this is our last week of a three-week series that I've entitled Be Rich to Others. We're wrestling with how does God call us to be a part of the healing that is needed in our nation and in our world. And in this last week, I just want to kind of struggle with, you know, what do we need to do not to lose sight of, of love? So, just hold on to that as we move forward. Now, the first thing I want you to do is uh, push that share button if you're on Facebook and share this with your family and friends or share the link to our web page uh, with family and friends We want to get this message out far and wide. The second thing I want to do is give a shout out to Eric and Rachel Chen who are watching us from Ohio. They live in Ohio with two beautiful boys and their entire family. I just want to say you guys are the bomb. Thirdly. I know that we are moving into, this is Thanksgiving week, so I want to acknowledge a couple of things here. One, I just want to acknowledge those of you who are thinking about this coming Thanksgiving with enormous pain in your heart because uh, there are going to be some people not just missing from your table, but missing from your life because of death due to COVID-19 or cancer, some other thing. I'm calling this out because I want you to know in this moment, that God sees you. He cares for you. And we care for you. And in just a few moments, I'm going to have a, a few seconds of silence so that we can remember your loved one and just call that person's name out uh, out loud if you do that. The second thing that I want to highlight in this moment is that for many of you, this is going to be a painful Thanksgiving because you're going to opt not to gather in large crowds with your family, which is an incredible um, sacrificial and wise thing to do. My family will be practicing the same thing. We used to get together by in terms of 60 or 70 of us. Uh, we're going to do that by Zoom and we're just going to be eating uh, turkey around the table just with the people who's part of my household. So here's the deal. Listen up. I know there's a lot of pain attached to this. And I just want to just give you kudos. I just want to say, hey, the most remarkable expression of love is when you're willing to sacrifice self to protect and preserve others. I don't think there's any better way to to express how grateful you are for your loved ones than this tremendous act of sacrifice. So God bless you. Look, let's take a few moments of silence. And if you're thinking of someone who slipped from time to eternity, just call out their name right now. God, I want to give you thanks and praise for this moment, and I want to pray for those who are grieving, for that person who has tears rolling up in their eyes that are streaming down their face. I pray that they would know the truth of your word that says, cast your cares on you because you care deeply for us. I pray that you'd surround them with your love and grace and with people who will love on them in this season. And God, in a time when COVID is just exploding all over the place, both the world and the country, I pray that you will bless and preserve those doctors and nurses that are really stressed out. That you help them to catch your breath as well as theirs. I pray for hospitals who are overrun, looking for plan B's and plan C's. Oh, God, that you would give wisdom to the leaders of those facilities. I pray for families who are disconnected from loved ones who are in hospitals that they can't see. Bring comfort and peace and work miracles of healing. And God, I give you thanks for a new, a new, two new vaccines that are en route and for new therapeutics. But I'm praying for one more miracle, just as you Open the minds of scientists to see their way towards these vaccines. Would you open the minds of our government leaders so they can see their way towards working together to release the resources needed for people who are unemployed and losing their businesses and all of this. God, we're praying for miracles. Would you do it? In Jesus' name we pray. Thank God. Amen and amen. God be praised. Thank you. Listen. As we think about Thanksgiving week, here's the first thing that I'm thinking about as a Jesus follower, and that is that Jesus followers live thankful lives, or at least we are called to live thankful lives, simply because of God's enormous sacrifice, extravagant generosity, and extraordinary love. And I would summarize these three uh, incredible points in one phrase, a heart that gives So throughout the duration of this message, I want to talk about the power of giving, partly because our Be Rich to Others outreach effort really ends uh, this week. This is the final week at least, and this is the week for us to give our resources to support our partner organizations. I'll talk more about that in just a few moments, But, but mainly because I believe that giving is a hidden superpower of every believer. That, that, that you can draw a straight line between a heart that gives and healing, a heart that gives and the work of redemption, transformation in the world. Let's look at John three sixteen, just to kind of model this point a little bit. For God so loved, there's the extraordinary love, the world that he gave. There's the incredible generosity, his one and only. There's the amazing sacrifice, son, that whosoever believe in him shall not perish but have eternal life. And as costly as the first half of this verse is to God, just think of the incredible joy and good pleasure how this verse ends for God, that he spends eternity with you and that we spend eternity with him. That's generally how the work of generosity, the gift and blessing of giving works that that typically when we give it always makes its way back to us and springs up in great joy and great pleasure. And keep in mind, I'm not just talking about money. I want to suggest that in some of the most remarkable acts of healing and transformation, there's always giving. In the relationships that are the strongest, that are the most flexible, there's always the gift of giving gift of giving. So let's talk about our Be Rich to Others outreach effort. This is one way that we're going to practice stretching our hearts together. Here is the verse that is, that shapes our thinking around this. Uh, Paul is teaching one of his young uh, ministers, Timothy, of what he should be teaching that congregation that he oversees. Tell them to use the money to do good, he writes. They should be rich in good works and generous to those in needs, always being ready to share with others. In other words, teach your congregation to be rich to others, to have hearts that gives. Here's how we're going to practice it. We're going to express our heart through service uh, as we pray together, love together, and as we give together. We're in the third week of praying together, and so I want to challenge you, even if you're just joining us for the first time today, five minutes a day, each day this week, praying for those who are dealing with mental health challenges, who are depressed, who are dealing with loneliness, and the list goes on. And then we want to practice love together. We are, we're, we're, we're asking every family and every person to put together at least one, if not more than one, what we call hygiene kits, and all the information is there. We're going to mobilize 2,000 of them for uh, two major programs that we're partnering with that are serving thousands of homeless people. And we're going to drop them off the first weekend in December to our two campuses here in the Bay Area, And, and I'm going to be there along with our team to tell you hello. If you're not local, no worries. Go to our website, and we will help you find homeless programs near you or other opportunities to serve. And then finally, there's giving. Can you just shout giving? Giving yes, the circular is. Today is the final day for us to give. We're asking everyone to give thirty nine ninety five for some. That may be too much. You'll give the best you can. For others like me and my family, that's too little. We're going to pray about it. We're going to give uh, the gift that God has put on our heart to give. And uh, and our goal is to really raise seventy five thousand dollars to support seven partner organizations doing amazing work locally and around the globe educating the under-resourced, helping people to rebuild their lives after losing their homes and property, uh, helping people to find a way up out of poverty, dealing with the homeless and job training and job placement, amazing programs serving tens of thousands of people. And we want to we raise money and give every dime to support these people. So therefore, it brings us to our goals. Listen, here, here, here's the summary of... Oh, uh, well, here's our... Let me just note this. Our goal is $75,000. We've raised today $52,400. So come on and help us to knock it out of the park. Here's how you can give uh, right here. You need to give by website, a text, an app. You can do it right now. If you're thinking about what you want to give or certainly after this message. Look. We're, we're, here's our goals: sixty five thousand minutes of praying, two thousand hygiene kits at least, and seventy five thousand dollars. All notice that there's there's giving attached to every one of those every one of those goals. All right, so go to our website, you can see the partners that we're working with and uh, and um, videos that tell you about who they are. Together, we're developing a heart that gives. Now, another way that God calls us to develop a heart that gives uh, is is his invitation for us to participate uh, in the work of healing the land. And it's kind of reflected here in 2 Chronicles 7, 14. And uh, if you've been with us, you know that this is the dedication of the temple and and Solomon has asked for God to bless the people and God has looked down the line of time and says, well, at some point the nation is going to go off the guardrails and and in that day if my people uh, would get their act together, I can bless the nation. So this is our theme text and really kind of our, our roadmap, if you will, for how God is asking us, watch this, to stretch and build hearts that gives. If my people who are called by my name will humble themselves and pray and seek my face and turn from their wicked ways, then I will heal from I will hear from heaven and I will forgive their sin and heal their land. Can you just type in the chat, God, I want to be part of the healing? Come on, just say that out loud. God, I want to be part of the healing. All right, so the question really comes to mind, how can we be part of the healing? Somebody shout, how? Type in the chat, how? Well, just a quick review from last week. And if you missed the last couple of messages from two weeks ago, just go to our website, create some space, and, and really lean into those messages. First thing, if my people would humble themselves. So the first thing we need to do, guys, is to be humble. And you remember last week I told you that part of what it means to be humble is to be able to listen to somebody else's story, open to learn. It's the tacit confession that says, uh, "I don't have the whole story." Whether you're arguing about romance, arguing about politics, arguing about finance, I don't care how deeply convicted you are about a particular issue, you don't have the full story, and. Uh, listening and acknowledging the feelings of the other person is a huge part of what that means. I got a letter from one of our partners just the other day after last weekend's message. He says, look past what you taught is what we've been practicing. This totally transformed our marriage. So married couples, listen up. Those of you have been dating for a while, listen up. Uh, here's how you apply this, apply this principle to your marriage. She writes this. This is an excerpt of what she wrote. Hi, Pastor Herman, I reflected on your sermon. And wow, it made me think of my relationship with my husband. You see, my husband and I differ in many ways. Some married couples out there can say amen to this, right? Especially, here it is, politically. We, and then she talks about a communication model that Pastor Dan Monroe and Rebecca, people who are on our team, taught them in their premarital counseling. And here's the models. He said, we learned to have one person start out and have the floor, no interruption, for 30 minutes. Can somebody say sacrifice? Can somebody say generosity? Come on now, can somebody say love, right? For 30 minutes to explain their position. After that, The other person summarizes the position that they've heard, but more importantly, affirms the emotions that are attached to those positions. In other words, they say, well, look, this is what I hear you saying, and here's the pain that I hear, here's the fear that I'm hearing, and empathize, right? And then uh, it is affirming the emotions attached that makes the other person feel heard, understood, respected. And keeps the door open for deeper and more vulnerable communication. After that, we switch roles and repeat. Not only do we have fewer fights, listen up everybody, but we have greater understanding and empathy for each other while still holding to our beliefs and conviction. Did you hear the sacrifice that they are practicing with one another? Did you hear the generosity that they're practicing with one another? Did you experience the love? Not mushy, gussy, warm-feeling type of love, but the kind of love that is redemptive and transformative. And it flows from, watch this, a heart that gives. Second insight, according to this text is, God says, I want my people to be humble. The second thing is, I want them to pray and seek my face. So the second insight is, God calls us to be prayerful. Everybody shout, be prayerful. Be prayerful. And I told you last week that the first step in being prayerful uh, is not praying for others. It's really praying about how you need God to break through and break into your own life. Listen. On last weekend, I read you a letter from a young woman of color and I saved, I want to return to an excerpt because I'm answering two questions for her. I told her over the next, over the last two weeks, I would answer these two questions. This is the second week. And it's an example of why we've got to pray first and foremost for God to have a breakthrough in our own hearts. Here's what, here's what her, here's the excerpt of her, of her letter, what she writes. Pastor Herman, these last four years have made me harder. I want to come together and listen, but I'm still so angry. All the time, I'm angry that I lost my job and Anger that the color of my skin have always dictated my possibilities. How, here's a question, how can I do, Pastor, what you're teaching with so much anger and division, even amongst my own family? Now, listen, this is resonating with some of you guys. Man, you've been watching Fox and CNN, and you're full of anger. You're a Republican. You're full of anger. You're a Democrat. You're full of anger. And you're saying, well, Pastor, okay, you're telling me Jesus is calling me to do this work. What, what, how do I handle my anger? I just wanna to return to this very quickly. I talked about it this a little bit last week. And uh, uh, let me just start by saying, first of all, you gotta pray about your heart. Can you just type that in the chat? Pray about my heart. And when I was a kid growing up in Gashada, I mentioned last week that we had a back room where there was a big leak. And if, if it would rain for several days, I had to go get a bucket. And here's a great great example of the bucket that we'd get. And I'd put it under the drip, drop, drip, drop of the rain. The next morning, it'd come and be full just like this. And I had to empty the bucket. And if it was raining two or three days, I had to put the bucket back there. And it would be under the drip, drop experience. And then the next morning, I had to come and empty it again. And I had to put it back. I shared with you last week that if you're not careful, you're watching these different news channels and reading uh, all the stuff that you're reading. The fact is, for all of us, the toxicity has a way of drip-dropping into our hearts. Come on, some of you, because of past relationships there, this toxicity has drip dropped into your heart. And so, it, get this insight. I'm saying to you that you've got to empty your bucket. You've got to practice every day emptying your bucket. Come on, just type it in the chat. I need to empty my bucket. Empty your bucket. How do you empty your bucket? Well, number one, you got to practice confession. You got to set aside some time every day and confess to say, God, here's what's going on in my heart. Here's how I'm feeling about certain people. Here's how I'm feeling about this person. And I'm realizing now because I've been listening to Pastor Herman that they've got a story, that they've got a perspective, that they've got some woundedness and some hurting and all of that kind of. uh, God, drip drop some redemptive love. That I might give them the benefit of the doubt. Notice the word give. That I might, I might, <laughs> I might give up ground that's rightfully mine to create space of grace for them. Notice the word give. So confess. Secondly, surrender. That's what's embedded in that second Chronicle text that God is saying, I want my people to confess their own brokenness, their, the wickedness of their own heart and then surrender back to my authority. And I'm suggesting to you, this has to be a discipline we do daily, daily. And the third thing that God is calling us to do in this text is be different, is be different. And listen, we see it in Second Chronicles that let be humble. I want you to pray and seek my faith. Then turn from your wicked ways. That's God saying, look, you're emptying your bucket. I'm putting more redemptive love. Practice a different behaviour. I'm so proud of some of the people who are connected to NBC. You see that you're actually going out and you're being a light in the darkness. Uh, some of you know that after each one of these gatherings, we have virtual social hall. And last weekend, I almost left in tears, just moved by some of the stories that I heard of Jesus' followers being different. One young man told a story about how he was celebrating Mr. Biden's win and he was inside, you know, youth, um, promoting all these different m- memes. I think they call. Uh, really kind of giving Mr. Trump a bad time. Then suddenly he remembered the message that he heard the previous weekend and he felt convicted. And he stopped right there and, and, he, and he remembered, you know, four years earlier, he said, he was on the losing side. And you remember how he felt? And so he typed a note right then in Facebook saying, listen, guys, I'm sorry if I've said or done anything that has offended anyone from the other side. He said he closed the computer, he just knew people were going to slam him because these days you get slammed for moving towards unity, right? Because news people and algorithms in terms of the the, the news publications that you, everything is designed to keep moving us apart, turning us on each other. That's how people make their money, by the way. The next morning he came back and he opened his computer and he found that there was a friend, a good friend of hers, his, that he did not even know was from a different political party who said, wow, what you, what you posted deeply, deeply touched my heart and helped me to move towards healing. <laughs> you see, a heart that gives heals. And that young man Gave. Notice the sacrifice, the generosity and what he did. I heard a story of another woman who was with us last weekend and she said she was going back and forth with a colleague over the political realities of the day and, and she, had, one time she, it, it was so painful that she was in tears. But just this past week, they agreed to set aside the stuff they disagree with. They're both Christians. And so they said, well, let's focus on what we agree on. We agree on the work of justice. We agree on uh, serving and caring for the poor. We agree on proclaiming the good news of Jesus. Let's talk about what we agree on. There's a paradigm right there for some of you guys to go to work and work on. And then lastly, another story. I heard all these stories just last weekend. A young African-American male shared with me that you know, in his work environment, people were just going off on the, on the other party, which is the Republican Party. He stood up. He didn't take a stand for Biden. He didn't take a stand for Trump. He took a stand for Jesus. He really called people to account. He said shortly thereafter, a young um, Asian Republican male came to him and said, listen, I've always thought the Democrats were hypocrites, and I'm sure you guys thought the same about us. But what you did 30 minutes ago changed how I see Democrats. And maybe more importantly, he said, it changes how I see African-Americans. Can somebody say powerful? This is what happens when, 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 when you start standing up, not for a candidate, but you start standing up. For Jesus, who says, "Love your neighbors and love your enemies," when you stand up for Jesus, who tells us that we should reflect Him in all of our dealings. And so be different. Listen, when you read that portion in 2 Chronicles 7:14 it says, "My people called by my would pray and seek my face." That notion about seeking. God's face in that verse is really about looking towards the temple, because the better translation is "seek my presence." And the temple in Israel represented the presence of God. And what he's saying is that, hey guys, when the world and the nation starts going off of the rails, if you would look towards the temple and 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 seek my mercy and my grace, because remember, the sacrifice for sin is happening in the temple courtyard. Then I can begin to change you. Wow! You know what the temple we should be looking for today? And many centuries later, Jesus walks into the uh, into the synagogue, and he finds people in the Temple Mount uh, that's turned it into a marketplace. Rather than a house of prayer, he confronts it, drives him out. And some of the folk then would ask him and say, Well, hey, uh, who gave you the authority to do all of this? And they get into a little back and forth. And Jesus says, Listen, destroy this temple, and in three days I'll raise it up again. And their immediate response was, Hey, <laughs> it's taken 46 years to build this temple. And they're pointing at that building, and you, you say you can rebuild it, and what? Three days? <laughs> and Jesus was, and, the, and the response is, but when Jesus said, this temple, the text says, he meant his own body. And this, this passage says that, that, that if you really want to be transformed, find Jesus on cross. I want to go back to this excerpt of this letter from this uh, young lady that, uh, uh, this picture of Jesus. I just want to say this is, this is This is the greatest gift of generosity. But I want to pull up this letter, uh, this excerpt uh, from the letter I read last week, but I didn't read this section. I'm going to tell you why I'm backing into this. She wrote, my brown siblings and I were not allowed to sit on my white grandmother's couch in fear we would stain it brown. I want to listen, Pastor Herman, and forgive, but I fear the anger has grown far too large to control it. What, you, what should I do? Here the issue behind anger is forgiveness. How do I forgive someone who hasn't asked me for forgiveness? How do I forgive someone who, 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 who hasn't changed their behavior? Can someone say the word generosity? Generosity. Let's find Jesus, Luke uh, 23. Uh, And and, and see, Jesus is dying on the cross, and he gives this young lady some insight. Here's here's, here's what you need to do. He says, so Jesus, they're crucifying him, and and Jesus says, Father, forgive them. Why? For they don't know what they are doing. Jesus is demonstrating that here. Here. He's saying to this young woman, listen, I could tell you a lot about the sociological analysis that was going on around her life. I could give you a whole psychological analysis about what's going on on the inside. But at the end of the day, here's what was up with your grandmother. Sin had her blinded. The sin of racism. And, and, and might I just add this in very, very quickly. Listen, uh, uh, politics is not a, a remedy for the redemption of the human soul. <laughs> it, it takes the love of God, and He says, "So, so, so, what Jesus saying from the cross is, is that these people are not bad people; they're blind people." Because of the work of sin that's in their lives. And the only antidote for that is love. Come on now. And and, and so for those of you who are asking, how can people in my family who I love believe whatever it is that they believe that you think is crazy? Well, maybe the answer is sin has been blind. And by the way, as they ask that question about you, maybe the answer is the same. Maybe the answer is the same. So here's the insight for the young woman. It's says, listen. You're your grandmother was blinded by the sin of racism that permeated her culture and generation and generation she didn't know what she was doing notice colossians 3:13 this is what this is what paul means and he starts off by saying look you're the elect of god and here's how you're supposed to react and here he says this make allowances for each other's faults Make allowances. What does that mean? Well, understand that we all bring to the table our brokenness, and you've got to make allowances for each other's brokenness. That's what he's saying, for each other's faults. Notice each other's faults. That means your fault somebody needs to make allowances for, and my fault someone needs to make allowances for, and it is the generosity of creating spaces of grace. Now, the problem is I always feel that your faults are worse than my faults and my faults are not really a big deal. But it was our collective faults that put Jesus on the cross. So it says, make allowance for each other's faults. And what's this? Watch this? Forgive anyone who offends you. Remember, the Lord forgave you, so you must forgive them. Go back to this Luke text. You see, Jesus says, Father, forgive them for they know not what they're doing. And the text says that they are still gambling over his clothes. They haven't changed their mind. They didn't ask for him to forgive. But as an act of generosity because he understood the human condition, he forgave. Forgiveness is the greatest act of generosity. The same motion that requires you to open up your hand and give money, that same heart that has to open for you to do that, to generously give, I'm not talking about a little bit, generously give. It's the same heart that has to open for you to forgive. (laughs) You see, straight line from a heart that gives to healing. Now I want you to listen to my friend Rabbi Ezra uh, who uh, is the rabbi at, uh, at, uh, at Temple Beth Jacob and they are partnering with us, the entire congregation in our Be Rich effort. He's got a little bit more to say about this notion of a heart that gives wrapped up in the word
1: love and kindness. Listen to my friend. Hello NBCC. It's Rabbi Ezra of Congregation Beth Jacob and we miss having you all here on Sundays. Your your spirit and your energy and your faith and that shared sense of this building being a place of faith. I know I miss it and hopefully one day soon we'll be back together. You know, your pastor came to me a couple weeks ago and told me about the Be Rich to Others campaign and asked if we might want to join together. And I was so excited because for me, this is how different faith communities can come together and build something even bigger, something that realizes what faith is truly supposed to be about, which is care and love for fellow human reaching out to those in need. And to join together on this project for me is the realization of a sacred Jewish value. And I wanna teach you a Hebrew word. You all know I enjoy teaching you Hebrew words. The word is chesed. You gotta get your chesed. Doesn't translate well, it's love, kindness. And we do a different Torah portion every week from Genesis through Deuteronomy, the five books. This week's the Torah portion tells the story of Abraham sending his servant Eliezer to get a wife for his son Isaac. And Eliezer prays the first personal prayer in the Bible. God, let me find a woman who, when I lower my bucket, she fills it up with water and the animals too. And he goes to the well. That's exactly what Rebecca does. She shows chesed, love and kindness, not just responding to a teaching, but from her heart, reaching out, seeing the person in need. This world needs chesed. Chesed ripples. Chesed is good for our mental and physical health. Chesed heals. And boy, does our country need healing. And for us to come together with this act of chesed, I can't think of a better thing to do. In the Talmud, we say that the Torah begins with chesed. God clothes Adam and Eve. And it ends with chesed. God buries Moses. Chesed begins and ends the book. Chesed is what God does. And as we say, what does it mean to be in God's image? Ah, it's to do chesed to clothe the naked, to visit the sick as God visited Abraham, to bury the dead. And this project lets us live this shared value of chesed. Friends, let's walk together. Let's walk together in faith and in love, seeing those in need and saying, here I am responding to you.
0: Well, I'm so excited to be doing this Be Rich outreach with Uh, my friend uh, Rabbi Ezra and his entire Jewish congregation, can you imagine all this diversity of people coming together to love, to bless those who are in need you know, he talked about um, uh, he, he, he talked about Rebecca in that text and the way she the servant of Abraham knew that this was the one God had chosen was through her acts of kindness her sacrifice, her generosity and her love. May people look at your life and see the signs of sacrifice, generosity, and redemptive love and know you belong to Jesus. Amen. All right. Take a picture of this reflection question. What do you need to confess? What part of your life do you need to surrender to God? This is what I want you to wrestle with this week. Secondly, uh, I want to let's go to our next steps. And there's a connection card there. And on the connection card, there are some next steps, including saying, I want to follow Jesus as Lord and Savior and model my life after how he lived. And then there's a the response to the message. It's simply a one final opportunity for you to check off and say, yeah, I'm permitted to, to be rich to others' uh, outreach, even if you're just hearing about it today, which means you will do the three things that are indicated there. And then lastly, would you be sure to share this, gathering? Just go ahead and share this now. And of course, uh, remember, this week we're praying for those who are dealing with mental health challenges. We are putting together our hygiene kits. And make sure you give before the day is over with uh, so that we can bless our partners in all three of these different ways. Next week, I start a brand new series, guys. It's called, What Are You Searching For? It's the place where our deepest longings are answered and responded to by the Christmas story. Don't you dare miss it.